Well, hey there. Welcome to the in between. Take two. Take two. <laughs> I need to press the record button. Uh, well, well, we just did that a second ago. Paul was the one who introed it, and then he said, "Were you planning on doing it?" And what I was going to say was, I was contemplating. So, uh, I was contemplating on how I could do it because I was leaning over to turn the music, yeah. but I I couldn't reach my microphone. Uh, for those of you who cannot see past the paywall into our uh, <laughs> our studio, the studio is new and improved. We have changed, and the table is much longer now, so I have to wave at Paul across the room. It is certainly new. Yes. Um, (laughs) And still smells a little bit like carpet glue. Yeah. But, (laughs) man, the carpet looks nice. It does. It does. Yes. Um, If it sounds kind of empty in your ear holes, just (laughs) something doesn't feel right, John Redfern is not here. Um, But we are going to continue without him. The show must go on, <laughs> as they say in showbiz. So um, wow. we have a, we have a couple of things to talk about, or that we can talk about before we get to the passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris had a worldview um, world. What was it called? World worldview shift. Is that yeah, what it I was? Think that's what it was called. And you said it was a good uh, good experience. We had it. We had a bunch of people, and it was it was really good. Yeah, I felt I felt like it was a lot of fun. It's it's um always hard because it's kind of like hey, bad news. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it shifted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what 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 you've been comfortable with your whole life, what you have felt safe with your whole life, I think, in my opinion, is changing. Yeah. And so, um, it isn't that these worldviews are new. Many of them have been around. I mean, actually, I said last night some have been around since Eve and the serpent. Yeah. But, mm. but it's um, but now they're they are for the first time in America, they're now the dominant. They're becoming the dominant worldviews. Yes where there's more social capital in being opposed to Judeo-Christian ideas than in supporting them. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. And that's going to be a challenge for a lot of people and a mm-hmm. lot of people. So I've been talking about the last few Sundays. I'll tell you, it made me nervous. Yeah. I didn't get to tell you guys. Um, I, I don't know if any of you heard, if any of you heard this, but I went to, um, so Bishop Strickland had a prayer event. This is different. I feel like I'm having to go back and forth looking at you guys. It's yeah, much, yeah. much bigger than yeah. before. Well, well look at Paul. I know that you're trying to look at me in, <laughs> exactly. in your Thank spirit. You. I, will, I will look at Paul. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I was really made nervous by uh, in, in a funny way. Uh, so Bishop Strickland held a prayer event Sunday. Okay. Um, the Catholic bishop here, who is a neat guy. I really like Bishop Strickland. Some of you, some of you will know him as Father Joe if you've been around for a long time because he was Father Joe before he was Bishop Strickland. Um, just a neat guy. And, uh, I really like him. Um, I got to sit by him at an abortion, uh, a prevent, you know, kind of a educational event for pro-life stuff. And it was just a kindred spirit anyway. So, um, so he sent out an email a few days ago saying, Hey, would you be willing to come down to the cathedral of the immaculate conception and pray? And so yeah. like, man, if you're calling for prayer, you know, let's do mm-hmm. it. And so, um, so I went downtown, and it, I'd totally forgotten that there was also some kind of pagan event on the square this Sunday, and and I think that's it was partially in response to that. Right. I I had totally forgotten that because that kind of stuff does not mean anything to me. I was like, yeah. I mean, you know, knock yourself out. So I I just I, I'm so I'm very simple minded about that kind of thing. I just have this greater is he who is in me than he does in the world, and then I just move along. And I, that may I'm not saying that's right. That's how I felt about it. Anyway. So there's like 10 of us pastors show up to pray 
It was really great. Bishop Strickland starts. Well, Bishop Strickland gives about a 20-minute sermon to start. Didn't, didn't know that was coming, and he did about a 20-minute sermon, and it sounded just like the stuff I've been saying yeah. from First Peter. Like, mm. hey, this the, the wave is coming. Um, the heat is here. The persecution is around the corner. Um, and I'm like, I, I kind of would have liked the idea better of me just thinking that that's <laughs> part of our future. I don't like the idea that that's now going to be like, a common mm-hmm. thing. No, no. Other religious, other religious leaders, even in this area, are thinking. No, this is the wave of the future. Is that we're going to be facing this stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, and and pastor after pastor prayed for. You know, we're we're on the we're on the brink. We need a we need an awakening. Mm. Um, we need a new movement in America. We need a revival, or or because things are, thing the pressure is coming. Mm. And anyway, so just teaching on worldview last night again, and and discussing it. It just uh, you know, yeah. I hope this is one of those deals where I'd love to be wrong about this, but I really yeah. feel like the social capital that we've enjoyed being Christians, meaning it's it's socially positive to be a Christian, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's you put a ichthus on your business card, you name your company Christian something, you you know whatever that that actually is worth something positive in the culture. Um, yeah, I think I think we're we're going to be post that even in yeah. Tyler, Texas soon. Yeah. Um. So was last night a good primer for your worldview weekend coming uh, up, or do you of. kind of? Sp- I'm only doing know. one little okay. part of the worldview weekend myself. Okay, um, and I'm really, I'm really trying to understand how to do that because I'm speaking on the nature of truth. Okay, we talked about that in the other podcast yesterday, yeah. and I mean, obviously, I can't that that working with teenagers is not. Yeah, the way we talked about it would not work with teenagers. So mm-hmm. I've got to figure right. out how to talk with them about it, and okay. Um. But I feel like this is one of those. Those one of the things that we have to stand on and not move is that there's mm-hmm. an external concept of truth and it exists outside of us, and we we just can't we can't give that up. Yeah, we give that up, and it's it's that's the battle. Yeah, in so many ways. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, mentioning the having other pastors confirm what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. I had a neighbor who sent me a, I guess a little clip from a pastor's. It looks like a pastor's panel, but it's Paul Washer, and it's. 12 years ago and he is saying that there is either a great awakening that is coming or vast persecution of the church mm. and he starts listing things and again it, it it fits into a little bit more of like the conspiracy yeah, you know, yeah. theory type like oh yeah here's all the details so here's how god is true because here's all the details yeah, and i'm yeah. showing god is true because i've put the puzzle pieces together mm-hmm. it's it again in the true spirit of it, it's not that. Yeah. But it's this message. And it really yeah. is, again, the timelessness of God's mm-hmm. word. <laughs> with Again, he's communicated this, whether it's the birth pains yeah, repetition right. or whether it's the end is truly nigh mm-hmm. and coming, a, you know, drawing near. It is that. It is that God's word mm-hmm. is always applicable at yeah. any age, at yeah. any time. Part of what makes this hard for me is I've always been the guy who mocked that stuff. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm the one yeah. who's, you know, every time, like I love posting on social media the, you know, tonight, tonight there's going to be a moon in the sky. If you look up, this is going to happen yeah. every night. Yes. Like, like this, uh, that's a 1988. Exactly. supposed to be it. Yeah. 88 reasons uh, why Christ will turn in 88. Yeah. I mean, 99. I have all those books and yeah. I mean, I was the one who, who touts the, in fact, it's over there on the bookshelf. I think the 99 reasons why no one know when Christ, no one knows when Christ is going to return. Yeah. And and a lot of persecution talk in the past, I've rolled my eyes at. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'd heard the guy 12 years ago saying, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, persecution is coming, I'd have been like, eh, well, I mean, it kind of always comes. That's an easy message. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, whatever. But are you really? I mean, really, are you? And, and, but the problem is, it kind of reminds me, it's similar to COVID, except moving very slowly. You know, at first mm-hmm. it was, oh, there's this COVID thing. And then it's, oh, I know someone who had it. And then mm-hmm. it's, okay, someone I know personally, like someone yeah. in my home or my close, they have it. Oh, I have I, I've it. heard of someone who died. Yeah, and then and then oh gosh, you know, a man who sits on the third row of our church died. Like it's it keeps coming closer and feeling mm-hmm. like oh this mm-hmm. is this is real. And the question, you know, twelve years ago to say you know persecution is coming, I would have said, I mean, no, nah, not really, not here. And then it's you know we have the a friend who, you know, can't, has to go an extra semester of seminary because a professor fails his paper mm-hmm. because in it he's not LGBTQ inclusive or whatever. And um. And it just it keeps coming near, like, oh, this is not this isn't just what I'm hearing on a radio talk show. This isn't what I'm just mm-hmm. hearing on a podcast. Now I know someone who has paid a price yeah. for taking a stand and uh and it just keeps getting closer and closer. And mm-hmm. and it just you know, now I'm mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go into it, but I I, I my the counseling mm-hmm. firm has uh, the the counseling yeah. office has now faced this. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, oh wow, this I'm now facing it mm-hmm. in an area. What what's next? And it's just now it feels like it's getting closer and closer. Like that, mm-hmm. it's not, I know of someone who faced something. It is, oh, my good friend faced, oh, oh, now I'm facing. Again, it's not persecution like, you know, like 99% of Christians around the world face. It's right. right. It's pretty pathetic. Right. You know, but, but it's, it's pressure. It's something. Right. It's, hey, you need to conform or you're going to lose out. Right. And I think it's also like, well, it's probably not going to end there. You know exactly, what I mean? It's like right. this is kind of the birth pangs. I mean, if we yeah. want to use that analogy. So Dr. Wayne Broderick, who's a friend of ours in yeah. the church, uh, in a sermon, I think two or three weeks ago, said, he was like, I feel very confident of the end of the story for the church. Yes, yes. Right? Like, <laughs> of course. Like, I, I looking forward, we know how it's all going to end. That's that's given to us. And then he was expressing, he feels even more, I guess, another degree of confidence, but still very confident of the long-term kind of trajectory of the church before the end. Yeah. But what he feels least confident of is what is the next step? Yeah. What is the next generation of that? And I think it it goes back to the cycle, the cycle of the birth pains. Mm -hmm. Is this just the cycle that will revert back to like, here's the present suffering and then now the next comfort, or is this the present suffering to mean the next long-term suffering before the finalization of everything that is to come. Yeah. yeah. And we never know because mm-hmm. it's happened. And that's what I keep, you know, when you, when you face it, you keep telling yourself, okay, Christians have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And just the fact that this is new to us is just, that's just because it's new to us. Mm-hmm. You know, most Christians face, they would love to face the kind of persecution we face. Yeah. So you were, you were talking about the end is nigh last, yes. last sermon. Where are we going this week? Okay, so listen to this. Listen to this passage. So it's been building, mm-hmm. and this is this is in some ways, in my opinion, kind of the culmination of this is because we're going to move into in chapter five a little bit of a different feel, um, which is more about okay, here's 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 what the church needs to look like. Here's what leadership needs to be like. Here's some of those some key things. But man, I mean, chapter four in verse twelve, just straight up. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Um, that's that's pretty tough language. Yeah. I mean, that's that's some pretty strong 
I mean, Peter is very, very much so clearly predicting this is this is part of this, and it's it is great to recognize, you know, and back at, way back in chapter one, verse seven, when when Peter talks about that your faith, um, that you your the genuineness of your faith would be tested, which is more precious than gold, which perishes even though it is tested by fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's clearly linking he's, this idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't be surprised when this happens. You're you're going to you're going to face fire in trials. And in persecutions or whatever, and and there's no excuse for us to be surprised by yeah. it. I think Peter's saying, and I immediately have in my notes on that section, I have a thing that says, "I am surprised when it happens, <laughs> but, I <am. laughs> but I am surprised. It would, I would be so surprised." Is actually an older one says, "I would be so surprised yeah. if this happened." Mm. And um, I think this is one of those, you know, kind of again when we consider God's economy. It is so different than our economy. Yes. I mean, the world considers glory at the absence of suffering. Well, apparently the Christian believes it's essential. <laughs> and and here, essential to not only glory, but essential to our joy. Mm-hmm. That, that wow. apparently suffering is not only essential for God's glory, whereas, again, the world would say it, the easier you can make life, the more you can you know, take away any, any semblance of suffering. Well, then now you've achieved glorification in this world. Mm. And God's economy is once again, completely opposite that says, no, the absence of suffering is not the presence of glory. And in fact, the presence of suffering says, no, here's your chance to glorify God. And thus you should take joy. Yeah. Well, and I think when you're saying that, it's like that almost, solidifies what we're reading in voice of the martyrs Mm. it's like that's why people are when they face persecution and persevere yes it's it for for a lot of us for me at least it's like wow that is so uncomfortable Mm. and and so it's like there there must not be any joy there or whatever but like but the lord is good in those moments even even though it's horrific and so yeah I love, and maybe I'm skipping too far ahead. It's all right. To 16. Mm. And if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, mm-hmm. but let him glorify God in that name. You know, you, you two weeks ago, Chris talked about, this is Peter, the one who denied Christ. Right. Mm. If anyone should be ashamed mm. of a testimony, I mean, here's Peter. Peter who... At the moment of present suffering with a little girl who calls out over a fire that might bring him some hardship, yep. quickly denies, and then now here he is, mm-hmm. years wow. later, being able to testify to the opposite. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed to one who, who knows his past mm-hmm. and would say, I should be ashamed. Right. I did not give glory to God. And yet, who can make this proclamation? That is a man who has faced grace. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like that's the only explanation, is if you truly understand grace in the right understanding, you can look back even at your own failures and still proclaim God's goodness despite it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, don't, don't, there's a, there's a, don't feel, don't, don't experience this surprise. Mm-hmm. Don't experience this shame. Mm-hmm. Instead, 
rejoice. And that's a, what a, what a fascinating, and that you're, you're right. Like there's no, um, I have no intuition for rejoicing when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I, right. I, I can understand fixating, obsessing, mm-hmm. um, all the different things that come with that, but it's hard for me to imagine rejoicing. Yeah. That's such a tough one. And it's, but that's not, that's it's not a, like a, Peter's the only one who says no, that. No, James. James says it. I right. mean, everybody seems to think this And the early church was like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is a, this is something we're supposed to be excited about. Rejoice in. Do you think that's a, okay, so let's step outside of the sainthood of these people for a mm-hmm. minute. Do, do you think there's any part of this that's just them? They don't, they don't mean this just at the emotional level. Like, hey, isn't this exciting? Yeah. Like, do you think they really gathered together and were like, okay, okay, how, how were you? How did you suffer? I can't wait to hear about it. Like, oh my gosh, this is like, like, do you think they were literally, or do you think they dreaded it and hated it just like we do? And we're saying the right attitude yeah. to have is, yeah. okay, we all know we should be rejoicing in this. Yeah. We all know that. And so we choose to say, God's giving me the opportunity to suffer with his son and for the name of his son. I, mean, I don't. I don't know how because I don't know how to emotionally right. align Engage with that. With this. I don't know how right. to emotionally say, "Oh man, <laughs> I can't know." Like I think of the things I rejoice about and that I get excited about, and I can't make any of this a hardship. Do that, like I can't yeah. go. And I don't now. Now hardship. Here's what's weird. I mean, I think you and I would, Paul, yeah. are the same. Like yeah. hardship, I can't even get. Like I, the the a survival camp the out or go in or stuff. Yeah. I'm like I'm kind of kind of excited even about i know i'm not going to sleep well i know i'm going to be cold i know i'm going to be all that kind of stuff but but i've learned to appreciate it i've learned to and i kind of look forward to it in a weird way but but i can't no part of me says my family be split apart i'm going to be in prison i'm going to mm-hmm. i'm going to be away from my friends and and you know maybe i'm going I've, I've read too many missionary stories about what they experience when they're persecuted and none of it do i think yeah, yay. Yeah. Like, I, I cannot make my emotions go. Do you think, and maybe I need to find someone who's faced it more seriously, because the woman we read about in The Voice of the Martyrs, it sure sounded like she emotionally mm-hmm. experienced it. I mean, she seemed kind of pumped. So you said we're going to step away, so I'll yeah. take it as that. Okay, like, yeah. In my brain, yeah, I, I look at it as the difference of, no, so when I read the Apostle Paul, he's doing what I'm doing. He's, he's saying what he knows is true. He's not feeling it. He's logical. He is step by step, right? Kind of processing, and so yeah, the Apostle Paul is doing what I'm doing, which is I don't want to do this, but I know this is true. So I'm going to tout even louder my logic, my reason over my feelings, right? And thus, I'm going to sustain through it. Whereas then Peter, who is a little bit more kind of given to the impetuous side, given to the emotions. I don't, I don't sidetrack that. Then, then maybe Peter actually feels this, feels this in the way that you know John Redfern was here. Here, he yeah, would, he would feel this. He would feel it. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of the same thing of like my wife and I. Even, even a couple of weeks ago, kind of had that, that realization as we were talking. Because again, I'm the thinker, she's the feeler, and that's how we balance each other. And just even the realization or the statement to each other of like. Whereas I want to say her feelings are wrong because my emotion is right. And she wants to say my thought is wrong because I don't have the feelings right. to align them. Right. God 
doesn't have to struggle with that. No, 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 that's for sure. He experiences all of the reason and logic correctly, the truth, and all of the emotion in a way that we we can't even fathom in our capacity to experience. And this is where I, I almost lay it down to personalities. I'm like, if this is this is the truth of probably all the apostles or the saints before us, as they fell on this as a what personal disposition God granted them or created them with. And and so yeah, I, I picture Paul as he touts the reason because it's what he needs to, because he doesn't have the feelings. And Peter may ex- may exhibit and experience the reason. I mean, the, I'm sorry, the feelings truly as he as it's coming at him. Mm. That's just. I'm I'm the mixture. Yeah. I'm right in the middle. I score that yeah. on every personality type. It study is I'm right in the middle of the feeling and the thinking. Like I score yeah. I scored zero in both directions. I right in the middle, and and so I can I can comprehend. It's easy for me to identify with the thought of saying, so when I, the, the small amounts of persecution I've faced, and I, and I mean that, um, but I rem- even the small of that, like there was no joy in it. I could verbalize, isn't it kind of cool? I mean, that I'm faced yeah. this, this little persecution because I've stood by Christ. Um, okay, so the, the, one, the, the most sad but and yet significant years ago i was literally asked on it was an online gaming system and i was a part of a team and my my name was saxum isu which is latin for jesus stone okay uh, the rock of jesus and and some of the other members this is this is year 20 years ago and and several members on that team were offended by the name and they wanted to put me on the team and and have me directly involved and they said, but you need to you take need to change your name. Change the name. And I was like, I, I, you're literally asking me to take the name of Jesus. Like it, I, like it, this is only an online video game. This is not a big deal. And yet, I don't think I can, like by definition, I cannot be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. Like that's the actual literal thing you're asking me to do. So, no. Mm-hmm. And and it was called that that whole team like just broke up over this like it became known as Saxum Gate according to their in their little and this was hundreds of people in the online community as they fought about it and voted about it but people were offended this is again twenty years ago online and I spent hours and hours, dozens of hours perseverating and obsessing mm-hmm. over this level of persecution even just the thought of oh gosh I'm going to have to spend hours thinking about this I've already feel exhausted. Mm. like what what would be the idea of me sitting in a now now part of it is i have a phobia of boredom but the idea of me sitting in a cell somewhere bored for the cause of christ thinking and and i know my brain would just be going oh Mm -hmm. did i do the right thing how should i've done this is this a so it just it's hard for me to imagine positive emotions yeah now i can i can go there and say no no i'm listen this is a privilege i get that it's kind of cool to get to suffer alongside with Christ. I get that, but I, I'm not sure I'm getting it. I, I'm, when I say that, part of what I'm saying is I'm not sure I'm getting it the way the apostles thought of it. Because mm-hmm. the word here, rejoice, is not acknowledge the value in. I mean, that's not what's going on here. It, it, it's a, it seems to me like a pretty strong emotional word. Which one is it? Uh, be glad is the, is the concept. I don't know how to pronounce it. C H A I R E T E T E C H 
a, a chair at a chair at charity. I have no idea. Karate. Good enough for you. It's going to be care. Yeah, well, it's going to be care. Okay. So care. Did you say the I? AI? I'd have to read it. Okay. Know. See. Yeah. Anyway. So however it is pronounced, which I'm not the guy to pronounce it. I have to still look them up online. It's a positive, be glad, rejoice. It's exciting type of language, I think. A state of happiness. Enjoy a state of happiness and well-being. Although, now this is interesting, 2 Corinthians 6.10. Though saddened, we rejoice. Ooh, I may have to mess around with that a little bit. Because I was looking for where does the Apostle Paul most powerfully embrace um, that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. 610. So when I look at, behold, now the favorable, I'm looking at 2 Corinthians 6. Um, behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Um, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. I haven't studied Second Corinthians in a long time. Maybe I just have the different mindset for engaging with that. There, there is. So, here the word you're saying, "kario," which is different than what. Again, when my brain, why I didn't comment on it earlier, is I was thinking of gift. No, so okay. there's the congratulations okay. or the idea of like celebrating with or the rejoicing with, which is the sunkario, which is different than what is actually used here. And that's where my mind works. And so this actually stands more <laughs> as like you, you're almost disposed towards. You're mm. leaning towards it by a, by a natural bent rather oh than gosh. the sunkario, which is like the... I, I have the feeling. So this would, again, be fascinating of here if this is Peter who's experiencing all the emotions and then now saying, no, this is my natural bent. Yeah. I, I'm predisposed towards this orientation. Okay. Not, which would seem different. That would seem more of the logical pursuit. Yeah. Rather than the other, which tends to communicate a little bit more of like, no, that, this is just the feeling of happiness. Okay. Feeling of being joyful. But yeah, that's which one, is, and this one is which one? This this is the other one. This is the natural bent. This is the natural bent. Interesting. A favorable disposition, leaning towards, and then again. So this is this is cario, which is coming from caris, which is grace. Okay, that's the gift word. Yes. Yeah. And so this is coming from I think this connection with grace. Oh my god. By a status. Okay. A disposition towards. Like this is I am in a I am in a under a condition of this. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. See, this, this stuff like this that makes me think, I'm not ready. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's that exact conversation that makes yeah. me think, as a church, as individuals, as Christians, how do we gain this mindset? How This is mm-hmm. part of what we've got to arm ourselves with, is, is the conviction of, um, man, this is my natural bent. This is... This is who God has made me to be. This is my new person is to rejoice in suffering. Mm. That's a that's a new one. There you go. Be blessed. <laughs> be encouraged. 